Welcome to ScotsCast, the Bible teaching podcast of Scots Church, Melbourne. Straw poll, if you don't mind. As a child, how many of you were given a kaleidoscope at some point as a present? Fair number of you. Um, all right, even apart from that, how many of you have had the opportunity to play with one? Okay, I loved it. I loved it. It kept me going for hours. And I think of Jesus' parables about the kingdom of God as beautiful patterns seen through a kaleidoscope. Each pattern is a glorious and a perfectly symmetrical thing, but with the, just a flick of a wrist, then the self, with the self-same bits and pieces still beautiful and still perfectly symmetrical, but quite different picture emerges. So hold that thought, if you can, as we consider Jesus' parable of the mustard seed. It's quite short. In fact, it's so short and to the point that we can easily miss the point. And what I mean is, unless we hear Jesus' words in the same way as the people of first century Palestine heard Jesus' words, then we might easily get a very different picture in our heads from the picture that they would have seen, the picture that Jesus painted for them. You see, the idea of a tiny mustard seed growing into something huge sounds a bit like that old English saying, mighty oaks from little acorns grow. Picture a a mighty oak tree, tall with massive strong branches. And we can think of other mighty trees like Canadian redwoods, the cedars of Lebanon, or our own mountain ash eucalypts, which are, by the way, the tallest flowering plants in the world. These are majestic, grand skyscrapers, and they're perfect for the giant birds of the air to nest in and to keep watch from, spying out their next unsuspecting meal. Eagles, hawks, kites, falcons call these trees home. The raptors at the top of the food chain, the apex predators. But that's not the kingdom of God that Jesus is picturing for us with this parable. He's talking about something much more humble and unspectacular. Look at the photo. I think the photo's on the screen now. That's a fully grown mustard plant in the Middle East. Exactly the sort of plant Jesus was talking about. Exactly the sort of plant that Jesus' first listeners recognised and were familiar with. Yes, just as Jesus said, this plant, when grown, becomes larger than all the garden plants, larger than the vegetables and the vines, larger than the herbs, and even larger than the fruit trees. It's not trying to outdo oak trees or cedars. They're not garden plants. And yes, as Jesus said, it puts out large branches but they're not large in the sense of being massively thick and tall. They're long branches, not thick, but long and flexible, maybe like a weeping willow or even 
like this picture of a feral blackberry patch, which we see quite a few of along the rivers in Australia. Within this sort of plant, Jesus tells us, the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. What sort of birds nest in this mustard bush? Not the big raptors or the big carrion birds. I mean, they're, they're too big for its slender branches, far too big and heavy. And the foliage is that thick that they can't squeeze into it. And so it becomes a haven, a shelter, a refuge, a safe house for a great variety of other birds. Jesus' first century listeners would have got this point. Many would have recalled the words of one of the Psalms which speaks in similar terms. Listen to this beautiful verse from Psalm 84. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallows a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. See, the picture the psalmist is painting and the picture that Jesus is painting is basically the same. The kingdom of God is a haven for the humble. It's a, it's a refuge for the rejected. It welcomes the weak. It binds up the brokenhearted. The sanctuary and the safety of the kingdom of God was well captured by that hymn writer Isaac Watts, who wrote, O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast, and our eternal home. The kingdom of God exists right here, right now, in our material world as our shelter from the stormy blast. And it's also the eternal home of our future hope. Think of this church as a mustard bush. If you receive the Scots Church weekly newsletter emailed to you or picked up as you come to church, you may have read a couple of weeks ago how our own senior minister, Phil Campbell, put it so succinctly. He said... Scots has for many years been a church community that has been a place of refuge with a gentle spirit. That remains the case. Whatever your sexual orientation or identity, whatever your race or nationality, whatever your background, you're welcome at Scots Church Melbourne. Because we know full well that all of us are flawed and imperfect people in need of God's grace and mercy. Brothers and sisters, we are the sparrows and the swallows of this picture. We live in a world where great forces can seem likely to overwhelm us at any moment. There are dangers and threats of all kinds. We face physical challenges. We face moral challenges. We face spiritual challenges. Surely little sparrows and swallows don't stand a chance in the rough and tumble of worldly vanity and pride and greed and prejudice 
and heartlessness. Yet Jesus tells us clearly that he does not want us to retreat from this world around us. He wants us to be in the thick of it. Remember his words of prayer to the Father just before his arrest in John's Gospel, where he said, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. We are to be salt and light in an often brutal and threatening world. But we are not abandoned and we are not defenceless. We have a God who provides for the health, the safety and the welfare of our souls. The writer of Psalm 116 knows it very well. Listen to his words. He said, The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. And he goes on to describe God in these words. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. Our God is a God of grace and mercy. But he is equally a God of righteousness who cannot abide in justice or wrongdoing, or iniquity. What do these characteristics of God mean for us in practice? How does this impact on our relationship with him? Well, this is how the psalmist describes the impact in verse 6. He says, The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. What do you think the psalmist means by the simple? I'm pretty sure he's not referring to people with a particularly low IQ. It's got to do with how we think of ourselves and our standing before God, regardless of our IQ. To be simple before God is to acknowledge our own brokenness and our essential unworthiness. It's to recognise that we are without hope and without help if we are without God. The hymn writer Augustus Toplady expressed that simplicity of attitude in the hymn we sang just before Rock of Ages. He wrote, Not the labours of my hands can fulfil thy law's demands, could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save, and thou alone. That is to be simple before God. It's a simple acknowledgement of our true situation as fallen humanity. And so, as the psalmist tells us, the Lord preserves the simple. When we are brought low, when we stop deluding ourselves about our own worth and humble ourselves in simple trust, then we are saved. When I was brought low, the psalmist says in verse 6, He saved me. Now listen to how the psalmist rejoices in the knowledge of his salvation. In verse 7, Return, O my soul, to your rest. Picture a sparrow 
happily returning to the sanctuary of that mustard bush? Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. What does this bounty from God consist of? Is it some sort of earthly health, wealth and prosperity? No. It's far more fundamental than that. The bounty of the Lord is spiritual bounty that is beyond compare. It's a bounty we receive here in this earthly life and it continues into eternity. Here's how the psalmist describes it. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. Another way to put, to put that might be to say, in trusting that I have been saved to eternal life with God, I no longer have reason to despair, and I know which path to follow. So let's return to the picture that Jesus paints of the mustard bush. The birds of the air can make nests in its shade, Jesus says. Here is our sanctuary, and it is always at hand. It's never far from us. It's the active protection and the presence of God in our lives. But we're not to curl up in it in self-indulgence. We have work to do in the world that God has placed us in as his instruments for his purposes. What we're called to do is what the, the psalmist just declares when he says in verse 9, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. The metaphor of the mustard bush is not only a spiritual metaphor, it's also a picture of the body of Christ as the church in practice, the church as she interacts with the world at large. Think of our mission partners, Colin and Alison Morrow, the Presbyterian Inland Missions Mungo Patrol. Every time they set out from Mildura in that four-wheel drive to do the rounds over many kilometres, they walk before the Lord or drive before the Lord in the land of the living. They manifest the mustard bush, sprung from Jesus, the mustard seed. They provide the shade to shelter and protect whoever is in need. Or think of the recently departed Father Bob Maguire, the rebel priest who put the needs of others before the dictates of his ecclesiastical superiors. At his state funeral here in Melbourne two weeks ago, one of the speakers you may have read in the news was the Catholic Archbishop of Brisbane, Mark Coleridge, himself actually not a stranger to the Scots Church pulpit, for those who have long memories. And he spoke of Bob's terrible childhood with an alcoholic and a violent father. And he said this of Bob. He said, He was broken in much of his earlier life, but he grew strong in the broken places, which is why he was able to understand and embrace human brokenness and to learn passionately to bring strength to the broken. He saw Bob Maguire as an example of what the church 
should be like if it's to thrive. He said this, Maguire was about action, not just words. He rolled up his sleeves and got stuff done. He had mud on his boots. He didn't judge or condemn. He opened his door to all. He had an unrivaled sense of humour. Now put that profile together, Mark Coleridge said, and you have the kind of religion that has a chance in this country. Put the opposite profile together and you have the kind of religion that has no chance whatsoever. That's a frank assessment that I think well and truly hits the mark. It ought to hit a nerve with each of us. Which profile fits us? Is our mustard bush thriving? Are we putting out branches so that the little birds of the air can make nests in our shade? Each of us will walk a different path this week. But whatever that path, I pray that we each walk it knowing that we are in the presence of the living God, knowing that we have a spiritual shelter of the kingdom around us and generously, open-heartedly living out our faith in the land of the living. You've been listening to Scott's Cast, the Bible teaching podcast of Scott's Church, Melbourne.